All right, let's get ready to get into the Word a little bit, uh, maybe a lot. And let me get my phone out here so I can... I usually don't have to worry about uh, keeping time on Wednesday night. We just seem to do it from start to finish right about an hour or so. Again, we're uh, continuing our journey on preparing for the Lord's return. Uh, I just cannot foresee the Lord lifting this off, this thought process off of me. Um, and as I said, the primary subject tonight is persecution. Uh, I know, right? Aren't we all happy about the prospect of persecution? But in the end times, there's a thing coming called the Great Tribulation, which is going to be trouble and persecution unlike has ever happened on the earth. Uh, and I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, people in modern-day Christianity, especially American Christianity, who have even an inkling of, of an idea what persecution really is compared to what's happening in other countries right now. It's just crazy. And so one of the things that's shifted in culture today is that there's no, no longer an agreed-upon set of rules and no longer an agreed-upon set of truths, of values. It's just everybody have your own truth, everybody have your own value. Uh, today, anybody can get online and, and spew out just about anything and propagate anything. And quite frankly, if it's said enough, if it's uh, watched over and over again, eventually people believe what's being said as a truth. You know, if, uh, it's been said that if a lie is repeated enough, eventually people will lose, fact, lose sight of the fact that it's a lie and see it as truth. And of course, the way the enemy works as the father of lies, and yet in these last days is going to be so super anointed with deception, he's going to be able to take things that we believe potential truths and twist them in such a way that we'll just go, okay, that's not just a potential truth, that's absolute truth. And that's really the problem. We live in a society where it's very difficult to distinguish what is truth and what is not. You know, I used to watch the news very regularly, and I wouldn't just stay on one news channel. I'd flip over to the other news channel just to see the difference in, what, in things that are going on. I probably watch the news uh, and listen to the news in my truck less today uh, than I ever have because there's just so much going on, and you wonder what's real, what's actual truth. And then you got other uh, YouTube things like Newsmax and Glimbeck and many others, and you listen to that as well, and you go, okay, uh, awesome, but there's only one absolute truth. There's only one truth that we can actually bank on, and, we, and I've, I've pastored you all many, many times to be cautious about how many voices that you're listening to, because it can muddle your thinking and your processing. Uh, and really, honestly, the question about what is truth has been around for thousands of years. When, when Jesus was standing before Pilate and he said uh, that he had come into the world to bear witness to the truth, that was, in fact, Pilate's question. What is truth, he said to Jesus. So that's been something that people are, uh, have been searching for forever. Um, in these last days that we live, it's even more difficult because there's so many avenues, so many voices, so many people 
you know, touting this or touting that. You're just like, I don't know what to listen to. And uh, I, I try to keep myself founded on what I know to be absolute truth. That can be problematic sometimes too because everyone seems to have their own take on the absolute truth. There, and so we have to be very, very careful. And I think that today that question about what is truth is probably more debatable uh, and debated than at any other time. The problem is this, that nowadays truth is subjective, not objective. In other words, it's just based on how one feels at any given time that that's my new truth. Uh, truth is now based on whatever's culturally relevant or whatever's uh, culturally comfortable or whatever's politically correct. It is just the escalation of what even 10 years ago would have appalled us, the things that are happening through the media, through the TVs, through commercials, is just mind-blowing at how quickly it's happening and how smooth and polished the message is. And what that message of falsehood, whether it be homosexuality or whatever it may be, same-sex marriage, etc., it's presented in such a way to make it appealing as truth. And it's, it's just, it's undermining society at its very core, all the way down to our elementary children that are being taught um, a lie. And it's being put into their minds. Uh, um, you know, nowadays truth just seems to be based on whatever feels right, not what is right. And so everybody's got their own idea of truth. But friends, the Word of God, the Word of truth does not change with the times. It's the same word yesterday, today, and forever. It's not relevant based on what's going on in cultural. There's nothing about the Word of God that becomes culturally relevant. Uh, well, maybe I should say this the other way. Whatever's culturally relevant does not alter or change whatever's in the Word of God. Okay? So I'll make the Word fit what I think's right versus making my life fit what the Word of God says is right. There's, and, and, and come on, everybody, uh, people are not even, they don't even believe this anymore. They don't tout this as absolute truth. I, I just read uh, a little article the other day about it. It seemed like it was a third grader or fourth grader, maybe fifth grader that just had their Bibles taken from them at recess. And, you know, I mean, just 10 years ago, it was okay to have your Bible. It was okay for students to exercise their religious right at school. And nowadays, no, you better not even have the Bible on the campus kind of thing. It's just a, it's crazy. Um, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 8 through 9 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we've quoted that passage of Scripture millions of times, but what about the first part of verse 9? Do not be carried away by varied, varied and strange teachings. You see, and that's what we're experiencing in this day and age with the varied teachings, strange teachings. And, and, and when it comes to truth, the Word of God is our best source. Uh, you know, we, we need to be listening to the Word of God. And I didn't say to a preacher, uh, we have the ability nowadays to actually play the Word of God through our smartphone, Bluetoothed into our vehicle to play the Word of God for us as we drive down the road. 
I don't even want to, I don't want to put anybody on the spot. Do not raise your hands, but how many of you spend more of your driving time Bluetoothing or playing the Word of God on the Bible as you're traveling from place to place? Probably a lot of us in here couldn't raise our hand for that. We need to be getting that in, not the next music thing, not CNN, not Fox News, not whatever. How about having the, excuse me, having the Word of God played, you know? Uh, a lot of times if, I, if I'm mowing the grass and stuff, not, every, not always, but I occasionally like to put my earbuds in and I play the Word of God while I'm mowing the grass. I just, you know what, and honestly, I'm not really focusing on what's being spoken in my ears, because otherwise I'd be running over trees and stuff. I'm still getting used to the riding mower up at the lake. So, uh, But guess what? The Word of God never goes out void. Never. Uh, somebody read a word over me just recently, and the somebody who read that word over me was a somebody that was in question. I'll just leave it at that. And, uh, and another asked, well, why would why'd you receive that word? And I said, because God confirms his word, not the person. It's always the word. The word never goes out void, all right? And so you got to get this in you. What is it? Wait a minute. Keep your nose in the book. It is so, so true. And so we need to have this with us. Now, truth uh, can be, as we look at the word of God, one of the best, method, best, best methods, easy for you to say, for determining what is true is to take a look at what Old Testament prophets have to say, specifically about our Messiah, Jesus Christ, and then look in the New Testament about what actually happened with Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And when you see that connection over thousands of years, you've got to know that you're looking at some absolute truth. So that's one of the best ways to determine the whole Bible is truth, but if you want to be able to decipher from it truths that truly apply to your life, especially in these last days, then compare the old, the old prophets and what they said about the Messiah to what actually happened with the Messiah in the New Testament. And I use that word Messiah because it's an important thing to understand that the, the Old Testament completely written to the Jewish people, to the Hebrew people, uh, and, and a portion of Revelation that's just for the Jewish people. Uh, there's a time period that God has set aside, a timeline just for the Jewish people. The 144,000 evangelists that's talked about in the book of Revelations are just Jewish people. We have to recognize that many of them are still waiting for their Messiah. They have not received the absolute truth that Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, was the Messiah, is the Messiah, and those that are a part of the Messianic uh, movement recognize the great truths of the Old Testament, yet recognize that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so uh, a great example of this uh, is found in Matthew chapter 8. And in Matthew chapter 8, these were the words that Jesus spoke right after the Sermon on the Mount. You all remember the Sermon on the Mount, right? And it's like he's coming off the mountain, and he went over to Peter's house to uh, heal Peter's sick uh, mother-in-law, I think it was. And Jesus spoke these words in Matthew 8, uh, verses 16 and 17. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. Oh, man, 
How about a service where we just cast out a, a spirit with a, a word? I'd be like, Jesus, what's that word? Give us that word. Uh, and healed all who were sick, not just some. And by the way, didn't we have an awesome healing service on Sunday morning? Praise God. And he healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So that's a perfect example of looking at an Old Testament prophet, a prophetic word about a future Messiah, and then the actual things that happened with the Messiah, because you'll see Jesus quoting Scripture. Uh, what does that say to me? Listen, there's, it says healing and, the, and God's will to heal is an absolute truth. Okay? There's people today that say, no, healing was just for the establishment of the early church, and once the early church was established, God no longer did those kind of miracles. No, 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 no. Find that confirmed in the Word somewhere. See. So what he said there was a direct quote from Isaiah chapter 53. So I want you to turn your Bibles with me to actually Isaiah chapter 52. See, when you consider the messianic prophecies, especially like the writings of, of uh, Isaiah, you uncover incredible truths that are confirmed by Christ in the New Testament. Uh, messianic prophecy really finds its climax with the, the words of Isaiah. It's pretty profound. So we're going to read um, Isaiah chapter 52. For those of you home, get your Bibles out and uh, open them to Isaiah chapter 52. And I'm going to start with verse 13. Okay? Everybody all right? Good. One or two of you still awake. Praise the Lord. Mindy said she wouldn't fall asleep till 8, so I'm good at least. All right, good. Verse 13, Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted, just as many were astonished at you, my people. So his appearance was marred more than any man in his form, more than the sons of men. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what had not been told them they will see, and what they had not heard they will understand. That's the end of chapter 52. He said his, his appearance was marred. We know that to be an, a direct, um, um, a direct um, what's the right word? Reference, thank you. A direct reference to what happened to Jesus when he was beaten and, and totally disfigured. No one even recognized him. But now let's look at uh, chapter 53, verse 1. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. What is the prophet saying? Jesus was just an average dude in his appearance. There was nothing, there was no Brad Pitt in Jesus. You know, people were not drawn to how cool Jesus was, to how good he looked, to how sexy he was, if, if I may say so. No, he was just an average dude, wasn't the kind of guy that people would just automatically be attracted to because he was Mr. Super Charisma. He had nothing there. It says there, he had no stately form or majesty. He didn't carry himself like he was all that in a bag of chips, too. 
I mean, he was uh, just an average dude. Excuse me, Lord, if I, I don't mean that in any denigration. But he was the son of God, but his appearance as a man on earth was just a normal person, all right? Uh, he had no stately form or majesty that we would look upon him in that way, uh, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. I'm not saying that that meant that Jesus was ugly. I'm just saying there was really, Isaiah is saying there'll be nothing about this Messiah himself in his earth suit that's going to be attract people. It wasn't Jesus in the, the earth suit that attracted people. It was the power of God working through this man that attracted people. And not just any man. He was the son of God, the man of God, and God himself. Amen? He was all that, and he was the Messiah. He, but look at verse 3. And we're going to spend a little time there because we are uh, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The things that Jesus experienced, Scripture tells us that we will experience. He was despised and forsaken of men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We don't, we, in, even in our charismatic Pentecostalism, in our Christianity, we, we don't really see Jesus this way. You know, we've kind of grown up with the pictures of the, the, uh, the blonde Swedish dude, you know, uh, wearing a, a crown of thorns, or, or you've seen the other pictures with the long, flowing, well-groomed uh, brown hair, and, and even though they didn't have electric trimmers to do the beard, if beard perfectly formed and shaped, and he was just, those pictures are very, uh, you know, have embedded in our minds an image of Jesus Christ, and, and it says that he, nor, nor a no appearance that we should be attracted. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Now keep in mind that everything that, that the prophet Isaiah is talking about here is a prophetic word about Jesus Christ, Okay? Uh, and the Jesus Christ that came some 2,000 years ago on planet Earth that we, we read about in the, in the New Testament, but also the Jesus Christ that's coming again uh, someday soon. That's why we're preparing for the Lord's return. See, when, when truth is spoken in such a way that it confronts power, uh, and it confronts the power of the enemy, then that truth is despised. That's why Christians nowadays are despised and they're being rejected by men. Even the very words of, the, of our Savior are being rejected by men. People who do not believe in the cultural political correctness of the day are considered haters and bigots. And so we're, we're despised and we're rejected. That's why political correctness seems to overwhelm biblical correctness today. It's just that's the nature of society right now. I, I'm sure that there's not a single person that's here tonight or joining me right now online that you've just had your heads in the sand for the last, you know, what, six years 
and, and you have no idea what I'm talking about, how society has changed and cultural has changed and what we would have, less than 10 years ago, would have considered appalling and so ungodly. How can that possibly be dis- displayed and depicted on the TV screen? And even, even Disney doing changes to, to, for the LGBTQ and for cartoons that are now being shifted so that it, you can have same-sex marriage in the car. Come on, y'all. I mean, we are in a society that is infiltrating this stuff and trying to propagate it as truth. So when truth confronts power, power then despises and rejects those who speak truth. People are oftentimes afraid to speak the truth. There's many churches and many pastors that are afraid to speak the truth, or they're so already so uh, in owe-the-company-store oh, kind of thing to Uncle Sam that they know that if they don't speak what Uncle Sam says, then Uncle Sam's going to come in and shut them down type of thing. Um, what happens to people that are willing to speak the truth? They're rejected. Uh, they're despised. They're hated. More so now than any other time. Now, we're kind of sheltered over here in corn, corn country. No, no offense to any corn farmers. We're kind, of, we're kind of sheltered over here. Even Diane and I, as we've been driving from here over to the lake and the difference with the hills and trees and forests and no flat cornfields and stuff, we're just like, okay, wow, this is like completely different. It, you almost had a sense sitting on the lake that you're even more sheltered and apart from it. And then, of course, we watched a movie the other night. Anybody remember the movie Red Dawn? Anybody remember Red Dawn? Uh, it was from back in the 70s, I think, and uh, uh, Russia had come and dropped paratroopers on America, and this group of students stood up against them. Well, they did a, a redo of Red Dawn, and this time it was North Korea that came and, and, and dropped in, and, and little old town in the Midwest took over the little old town in the Midwest, and we were just like, you know, Okay, in the 70s, we just didn't believe that was even possible. Today, like, oh my gosh, that could happen. You know, so you're like, okay, let's move away. Well, no, you never know where it's coming. And so, you know, what about John the Baptist? John the Baptist spoke truth to power. He spoke to Herod and, and basically said, you know, you're, you're living in adultery. This is not right. And guess what happened to John? You all know what happened to John, right? <laughs> He was beheaded. Or how about Jesus himself? He was a man who spoke truth to power, and he was hated, he was despised, he was rejected, and he was crucified for it. And we feel so sheltered and comfortable in our Americanized Christianity, not believing that anything like that could happen to us, not believing that anything that's currently happening in third world countries could possibly ever happen right here in little old St. Louis or to put myself into a little old Stanton where we're, where we're moving to or even more comfortable five hours out of town in Sydney. There's nothing in Sydney but a bank and a store and a bar. So, <laughs> so uh, anyway, isn't that amazing? There's always a bank, a store, and a bar. But So when you and I continue to proclaim truth when you and I continue to openly proclaim the name of Jesus, when you and I 
continue to stand on the moral absolutes of the Word of God, and the more we do that, and the more we allow our voices to be heard, the more we should expect to be rejected, to be despised, and to be hated. Well, Pastor, I don't, I don't like that message. I'm sorry, but it's still the message of the Word of God. Well, yeah, but it would never be, you know, my life could never be in danger for my Christianity. Well, well excuse me, what about Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, where we have quoted a, this scripture many times, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now, check it out. And they did not love their lives to the death. If we survive life, and the Lord tarries coming, then we will miss out on that. But there's going to come a day where those who are covered by the blood of the Lamb and have a testimony may have to sacrifice their lives for that testimony. Are you ready for that? Wow. Am I ready to die for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ? See, why am I preparing us for the end times? Because it ain't just about, you know, the trumpet shouts and we all, you know, change from mortal to immortal and from corruptible to incorruptible and float off in the sky with Jesus Christ. There's going to be tough times, and the toughest times are going to come to those who still stand up and proclaim Jesus, the name of Jesus, as the name above all names. The toughest times are going to come to those who are still going to stand on the absolute truths of the Word of God and not bow down to cultural relevancy in any way, shape, or manner. Are you ready for the persecution? Am I ready for the persecution? See, I didn't just ask you that question. We live in a sin-ridden society. We live in a society that is turned godless and is wicked and so filled with sin, it's just, it's mind-boggling. And I know I've said this innumerable times, the escalation, the quickness by which this thing is picking up speed is just really blowing my mind, David. It's faster now than I've ever seen it before. We live in a godless generation, and when you speak truth to sinfulness, when you speak truth to godlessness, when you're openly speaking truth to a society that is covered in darkness, you make yourself a target. Society then gangs up on you. Society then despises you. Society then rejects you. Now, I'm just an average man, okay? I really am. Although, uh, Sister Mary Pat did say, is this the church with the good-looking doorman? Because I, 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 I was the doorkeeper tonight, and I went, you're at the right place, sis. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just an average guy, and, um, you know, persecution is going to come. And, and I've often, I, am, I don't propagate the strength of the truth that I do just so I can be a voice that's braggadocia. Or I speak the truth because I know that that's the absolute truth and I won't be silenced by that, by the culture of today. And I don't say that for any braggadocia either because that scares me. Okay, can I be honest with you? 
It's scary to recognize that you're leading a people down the lane of truth that is going absolutely opposite of society. And I've said things online many times that makes me a target, makes this church a target. And I thank God that so far he has covered us and he has protected us from people marching out in front of our building that we're, we're haters because we don't believe in homosexuality or same-sex marriage. I mean, I'm saying things right now that who knows what systems they have out there to try to find people speaking against the culture of the day. And I've, I've even had time, just being honest with you all, I've had times where I wondered, you know, should I ever water down what I need to say for the sake of the church? Because we need to keep having church. We need to keep ministering to people. And, and if I keep being so bold in my uh, uh, expression of truth, I risk the church. Amen. Thank you, brother. Because I am still going to bring it on. I'm just being honest with you that as, a, as just a man, I have had those moments where I've wondered, you know, am I doing the right thing for the church? Uh, and we just, we can't allow ourselves to bow down to cultural relevancy. And that's, that, that doesn't end up with an easy-peasy potential for life. What it ends up with is the not just the possibility, but the probability of being despised, being rejected, being hated, being persecuted. I mean, you're a group of people here, you're here you know, practically every single Wednesday night. The chances for you, and those of you who are checking in online, especially on the midweek service, you're going to be more prepared for this persecution, this hatred, this, this uh, despising than, than others. And others aren't going to be able to take it. And we're not ready. Many are not ready, and the church today are not ready for the return of the Lord. Oh, there he goes again, spreading the bad news on us like it's all really good. Well, it is good. See, unfortunately today, many people are afraid to speak truth. That's a big part of our societal downfall. Uh, Many big-time ministers have been asked questions directly, you know, do you believe that Jesus is the only way? And they, they wash their way around giving a direct answer for that because they know that it would make them unpopular. Uh, or have been asked, do, do you think same-sex marriage is okay? And they have wound their way around the truth to still remain popular and acceptable and not be rejected. You see, you're, you're attending a church that is dangerous. There's a happy invitation to come to Resurrection Life Church. <laughs> Inside of me is, is a duality, and that duality is the preservation of God's people and the preservation of the church the protection of the saints of God. But in there also is a person who can't sit on the truth and not speak what I know to be true just to be a God-pleaser and to tickle people's ears. Oh, 
the big part of our societal downfall is that the minority has shouted the loudest for their cause, and the majority, which truly is the number of Christians on the planet, have for the most part remained silent about it all, and guess who wins the day? Guess who wins and gets their way? The minority, the one that's shouting the loudest, and they are winning the day in our society that we live today. And we cannot be silent regarding the truth. We've got to be bold. I didn't say pretentious and braggadocious and to just bravado. I'm not talking about bravado here. I'm just talking about us being bold enough like the disciples who, by the way, died for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ and died horrible deaths. Boy, Pastor, you're sure encouraging us tonight. We've got to speak the truth. I started this whole teaching tonight about what is truth. And we've got to speak the truth as we understand it and as we believe it. And Resurrection Life Church is not going to be a place that waters down the truth to make sure that there's, excuse my language, there's butts in every one of these seats. Would I like, yeah, as the other, side, the other part of me, would I be encouraged and blessed to see a, a person sitting in every one of these? Are you kidding? Yeah. That'd be awesome. That's not going to be the element for the day that we live. We've got to continue to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, that it's the name that's above every other name. The that is the absolute truth. The cultural truth is that there's way more ways to heaven than just Jesus Christ. I asked Diane, I think even last night when I think I read a headline about the kid's Bible that was being taken away, and I went, I wonder if they would take away the Koran. You know, probably not. You see, it's Christianity, anti-Christ. It's not anti-Muslim. It's anti-Christ. And as a Christian, you carry the name of Christ. You and I, brothers and sisters, are end times targets. Are you ready? This is a burden that's upon my heart. So we've got to pro continue to proclaim the name even if it means that we're rejected. You can't hide in the job. You can't hide within your family. You can't hide in the community and not let anyone know that you're a Christian just because you're afraid you'll be rejected or despised or even persecuted. Because guess what? It does mean that you'll be rejected and despised and persecuted. Now, although I know that we're not supposed to be sin-focused, and I have a greater revelation of that today than I ever had, one of my responsibilities as a pastor is to help you recognize what is right and wrong by teaching the Word of God. The Bible says so in Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 23, it says, And they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the unholy and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. It didn't say my job was to make you act a certain way. It says that part of my responsibility is to teach you enough of the absolute truths of the Word of God that you can walk out your salvation in fear and trembling. I'm not a fruit inspector, but I'm also supposed to expose you to the truth that you may distinguish, especially in this day of deception. 
that if possible, even the very elect could be deceived. You don't think you need discernment to be able to distinguish what is holy and what is unholy when the enemy himself, the father of lies, is going to come as an angel of light? Oh my goodness, brothers and sisters, we better be so ready, well lubed and greased for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Greased with what? With the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't be surprised when people rail against us um, for calling out sin uh, and for proclaiming truth. Jesus said that we would be rejected. Jesus said that we would be rejected. Jesus said that we would be despised. Jesus said that we would be persecuted. John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. <clears throat> if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world will love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Those are the words of Jesus. We've just polished over those. Well, great words of Jesus, but it's not going to happen to us. I want to prepare you. And there's, I, I can only do what I can do to express the Word of God to you. It's the Holy Spirit who does the work. Okay? I want to prepare you for the coming days. Because the coming days are happening right in front of us. And they're coming more rapidly than, than some even want to consider or talk about. But it's the absolute truth. We need to continue to stand for Jesus. We need to continue to stand for truth. We need to continue to stand for the moral absolutes of the Bible, even if it pushes against the power forces all around us. I mean, what are you going to do? What am I going to do if there's ever a day that whoever it be comes and, and says, you know, we're going we're gonna to sue this church because they don't believe in same-sex marriage? Are you ready for that kind of day where you may have to take a stand that absolutely pushes you into the corner? Or are you still looking for easy church? I've made this statement, and you guys have shouted about this, but I want to bring it home to you. The days of casual Christianity, of easy Christianity, are at an end, brothers and sisters. We've got to stand for the absolute moral values of the Word of God and not bow down to the relative, cultural, politically correct wokeness, whatever that means, of today. We need to continue to have a bold testimony. Don't hide your light. We cannot waver from speaking the truth. We cannot pull back from speaking the absolute truth because it may offend some. Jesus even said, because of me talking about himself, many will be offended. You say things like Jesus is the only way, and now you're a hater to those that are of a different religion. And yet Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, that's, just, that's not just historical writings. That's the absolute truth of the Word of God. Here's the catch. If you continue to do these things, to stand for Jesus, 
to stand for truth, to stand for moral absolutes. If you continue to do these things, you too will be rejected. You will be despised. You will be ridiculed. You will be hated. You will be persecuted. You ready? As I've already said, we live in a godless, wicked generation. And many today are afraid to speak the truth. I understand that. There's nothing standing, no, this guy standing up here in front of you right now is not blind to the risk of continuing to speak the absolute truth. And not just the risk to myself, but the risk, and not just the risk to this entity, Resurrection Life Church, but also to the risk of you all. So we, but even then, we can't be silent. We have to be bold. We have to stay, take, we have to choose. I'm going to take a stand on the rock of my salvation, Jesus Christ. I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to defend his name as the name above every name. Jonathan and I were kind of playing around with a song a little earlier about say the name. When you don't know what else to say, when you can't find the words to pray, just say the name of Jesus. Luke chapter 6, words of Jesus, verse 22 through 23. Blessed are you when men hate you. What? Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did so to the prophets. However... If we keep silent, if we won't be who Jesus called us to be, to be salt, to be light, to be a city on a hill for others to see, then what good are we? Well, that's kind of rough that you would say that. Well, I'll I'll, I'll let Jesus say it then. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Y'all are thinking, I ain't worried about everybody else persecuting me. Dear heavens, Pastor, you're persecuting me tonight. I'm sharing the truth with you. I can just bring you sugar-coated stuff that makes you feel good. Or I can bring to you the truth of the Word of God that may ruffle your feathers, that may rub you the wrong way, but it will help you. It will help you. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. Check this out. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When you and I no longer, when we are no longer light and salt, even Jesus said, no longer good for anything. There's churches out there today that are more pleased in making you feel good about the day than sharing with you the truth about the day. And honest to goodness, in these last days, in many respects, those churches are good for nothing. 
Now, you might say, well, this is a lot of negative news, but you need to remember that I've also said that I believe we're going to enter into one of the greatest times for the church as well. I didn't say church as we know it. There'll be a time, and I don't know whether we'll even be in a building. Heaven forbid, I don't ever want to see that happen, but you know that that could happen someday, that they literally close down churches. In fact, there'll be a day that says if you don't take the mark of the beast that you won't be able to buy, you won't be able to sell, you won't be able to get medical care. Hello! That's already being propagated around us. And they will close churches down that refuse to preach the message of the world. But there'll be a day when there'll be people who recognize where the truth's at, and they're going to run to it. And I still believe that there will be a great and awesome revival. Not like we picture it to be. But people running to Jesus, when, how are they going to find Jesus? Because of warriors like you, and hopefully like me, who are willing to stand up for the truth and willing to take the rejection, to willing to be despised, willing to be hated, and even unto death if necessary. Mindy, I got four minutes. I'm just teasing you. I can't finish in four minutes, but maybe eight. If she starts snoring after four minutes, I want you to... Uh, <laughs> we have to stand for truth, even if it means we're rejected just like Jesus was. Isaiah 53, 3, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. You and I, as his body, we are the body of Christ. If we walk in his ways, if we reflect his nature the way that we're supposed to, if we declare his name and confess this word as absolute truth, the same things that he faced, we will face. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Did you hear that? That too, my friends, is an absolute truth. All who desire to live godly in Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. Do you think somehow that you're immune to that? No. So that begs the question that I've asked you a couple of times. Are you ready for persecution? I know that you're ready for me to close. <laughs> and so I'm going to do that now. And trust me, I'm going to bring it home. You might say, well, there ain't nothing good about being persecuted. Everything is good about Jesus, even unto death. God never promised us that we wouldn't face hard times. God never promised us that you just accept me and you'll never have another difficulty in all of life. God never promised, Jesus never promised just to accept me and take my name and believe in my death on the cross. And boy, life's going to be peaches and cream every turn of the day. We never received that promise. John chapter 16, verse 33, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But here's what you and I are supposed to do. Be of good cheer. 
for I have overcome the world, the Lord says. You see, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And that's hard for us to fathom as well. It's hard for even me to fathom. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I understand it, but yet it sometimes doesn't make sense in the totality of life. I'm here, but I'm not here. I'm part of this, but I'm not part of this. Uh, I'm a citizen, I'm an alien. I mean, I know I'm an alien, but... Some are trying to control every situation in life in order to avoid trouble, in order to avoid calamity. Churches are doing their best nowadays to try to avoid speaking truth to power in order to avoid the potential trouble. But unfortunately, it's not possible to avoid the trouble that's coming. We live in a world of darkness. We live in a world of chaos. Uh, it's one of the reasons I'm, I'm, I'm lessening my uh, intake of news because I'm sick of hearing all the chaos. Jesus never promised any of us that we would never face hardship. What he promised you is that you would overcome every battle. Thank you for your enthusiasm. That's what he promised you, that you would overcome. And not just overcome, but he promised that you and I would overcome in a very triumphant way. And it would be major. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. You may face a lot of things, you're not, but you're, you still win. That's the beauty of this. You're not going to barely get by by the skin of your teeth. You're not going to just have to grit your teeth and hope that it all works out and you can make it. What we need to do is remember and believe that we are going to overwhelmingly conquer every battle that we face. That's a part of what Jesus promised us. He didn't promise us no battles. He didn't promise us no trouble, but he did promise us that he would be with us in the midst of it all and not just that we would conquer, but we would, Brother Jonathan, overwhelmingly conquer and win. Praise God. You should praise God for that. So if you have set your mind and your life on Christ, you're going to be able to look back like many of us can, and you're going to see so many times that Jesus came through for you, that Jesus won, extraordinarily won battles in your life, and that you, although you didn't know it then, can look back on it now. I was an overwhelming victor in that situation. We all have those stories You'll be, and you'll also be able to see that every time you went through a trial, every time you went through trouble, somehow God used it for your good. So don't just listen to all I'm saying and go, oh my God, that's such a horrible negative message. It's the truth. But it's, it's, there's more to the truth. Amen? I may have to go through a battle, but if I got my mind set on Jesus and, and I'm going to stand by the words of God, I will be an overwhelming victor and conqueror in the situation, and so will you. Amen? So there are times when, like tonight, I need to share difficult things with you. I, I thought about bringing tonight uh, the message that I didn't get to preach on Sunday. Way nicer, way sweeter. Way more enjoyable. I saved those for Sundays. <laughs> there are times when I need to bring a difficult message to you, but remember, beloved, Satan has been defeated. You need to, I may be bringing some hard news to you, but you've got to remember Satan's been dethroned. 
He, he is a pseudo-leader right now. He's, not, he, he's, a, he's a false, fake leader. You have the King of kings and the Lord of lords as your Savior, and you will win. You will win. You will win. Praise Him that you will win. No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that I win. I said, I showed Jonathan that song tonight, too. He went, oh, boy. Didn't know if Mike could move that fast. <laughs> That baseline smoking, let me just say. And that's our scripture of the year. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is formed or fashioned against you will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Amen. That's your heritage. That you can say as that song that I just gave a little stanza of, no matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that I win. That's what you ought to be saying when persecution comes. No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that I win. That we win. Praise him because you know that no matter what happens in life, you win. You win. I wish somebody in the place would realize that what Isaiah was saying when he said, no weapon formed or fashioned against me is going to prosper. Nothing. But you can't waffle. You can't go back and forth. Well, today I'm speaking the truth. Tomorrow I'm hiding the truth. You've got to stay in the stream. I want you to point to somebody right now. I know a lot of people say it's not nice to point, but just point to somebody right now and say, you win. Now point to your second choice and tell them that you win too. You win. <laughs> I wonder if we could shout it out. I win. Say it again. Say it again. Amen. She's so yeah, is there is there negative stuff that we have to swallow in the word of God? Yes. But you need to know that there is whipped cream and cherry on the top of this liver. <laughs> oh, Jesus help me. No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that you win. Because of the cross of Calvary, I want you to know that you win. Give the Lord a shout and a praise in the house of God. Amen. Now, now Jonathan, if we slowed that song down to about 78 versus 100,000 that it is right now, maybe we could do that song. <laughs> praise God. If you've been blessed tonight, even though it was, been, it was tough, then just say Amen. Amen. You know, I, I, when, when the Lord gives me a word like this, I beg him sometimes, come on, Jesus. Really? Is this what I have to say tonight? And he won't release me. I had a whole other message all written. And he said, no, in my spirit, this is what I sensed. No. Wednesday night's about preparing the people for my return. And it ain't all just peaches and cream. But you win. That's what he said to me. It ain't all just warm fuzzies. But you win. Praise God. Amen. Stand with me. I want to call you blessed. Look at there, 807. Mindy's still awake. Hallelujah. <laughs> She'll never walk in the church again as I'm a doorman and say, well, I'm only awake until 8. 
<laughs> I love you, sis. You're a blessing. <laughs> oh, listen, I call you blessed. All of you watching tonight, I know this may have been a, a more difficult truth. But the Bible is chock full of difficult truths. We like to do the best we can to avoid those for the feel-good truths. But we have to have it all together, rightly dividing the word of truth, finding truth. That's why you all are here. You're here because you know that truth is going to be spoken. Amen. Amen. And I want to see you be tough sheep, tough disciples of Jesus Christ that can make it through tough times. And tough times are yet to come, beloved. But we win. You win in the name of Jesus. Amen. I call you blessed.